What I want to share with you guys today comes from 1 Kings 18, 20 through 25. And you can be turning there. I'll read that here in a minute. But if you've got your Bibles, keep your finger in, in 1 Kings 18. But, but just kind of set things up. Um, there was a severe drought in the land, and, and, and God came to bring water refreshing to the people through Elijah. And anyway, as he, God was bringing that message into the people, they responded four ways. And, and I thought it was neat how Jojo brought it up today that, that she needs a refreshing, that, that we need a continual refreshing of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think that's what the Lord's trying to tell me today is, is that the church needs this refreshing uh, that went on in this scripture here. We need it in the church uh, across the board. But, but there's four things I believe that keeps the church from receiving that is found in this passage of scripture. And so as we read it today, I'm going to mention those four to you, and then we'll talk about them. And, but, but the first one is that the people of God were limping between two different opinions. In other words, they were serving God on one hand, but serving evil on the other. The second thing we saw, and I added this one in today, or in the last day and a half anyway, but God's really been putting it on my heart. But you'll notice in the reading today, it's just going to be a bleep in there that the people were silent. And the Lord's really hit me hard with that, that, that the church is silent right now. The people of God are silent when we need to be speaking up more than ever. Uh, the third thing is you're not alone. Uh, after I preached this, the first service, uh, I, the Lord really moved on the first service. A lot of people felt like they were alone. Uh, so many times we feel like we're alone in this fight, and we're not. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then the fourth thing is the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. And when we're tuned into the Lord, we're going to be joyful no matter that what's going on around us. And so anyway, let's read the scripture today from 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20. And it starts out like this. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood. But do not put fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And the people answered, it is well spoken. And that's why that jumped out at me on that second point. We'll get into it a little bit later. They had nothing to say when the prophet of God was speaking. But when they said, let's put gods to the test, they had something to say. And I think a lot of times the church is that way, and we'll get into that again. But, Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's in the house today. Father, we thank you for the way that you've moved on these babies before. And, and Father, that how that you're about and in the saving business. That, Father, when we humbly come before you and present our prayer requests before you, Lord, you hear them and you answer our prayers. 
Father, just like we have confidence that you're going to move in these children's life that we've dedicated to you today, Lord, we can have confidence that you're going to move in our lives. And Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor for that today, Lord, that you're already moving in our lives and we don't realize it sometimes. Father, that you're actively busy for us because you love and care for us. And Father, we don't give you glory enough. So Father, we do give you glory, honor, and praise again and again today for all that you do for all that you've done to keep us and to be in relationship with us, Lord. Father, as we break open this word, I ask that it ministers to every heart in this room. Father, I've already prayed for salvations, and Lord, if anyone not be saved, Lord, I'd call upon you to just woo them into salvation today. Father, if there's people that are distant from you today, Lord, I ask that they'd be reminded of how you love them and how you want the totality of their life. But, Father, move through these verses and these scriptures today and touch the lives of your people. Lord, open our ears and hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. The people of God, point one, were, were, were limping between two different opinions. And, again, if you read the King James, it's going to say they were faltering. Or if you read the message, they were riding the fence. But, but the people of God were Israel. And Israel were limping between two different opinions. We see here that Ahaz, the king of Israel, or Ahab, the king of Israel, you know, he wasn't an effective leader. He wasn't a, a, good, a good leader because he didn't have his guys on the Lord all the time. He was bouncing back from, from the, the, the God of Israel to the, the Baal gods. And we see in this passage of Scripture that, that he was pushing the Baal side. We also see that Israel, the nation of God, the people of God, that they were ineffective also, that they hadn't choose who they were going to serve. They were bouncing back and forth, and, and they were just, just in despair. They were thirsty. They were dry. The land was dry, not only physically, but spiritually. They were dying physically, and they were dying spiritually, all because I believe they were limping between two different opinions. We see in the scripture today that a lot of times the scripture can refer to our own lives. And, and me as your pastor, you know, sometimes I, I limp between two different opinions. Sometimes I think I know everything and, and you know, God's outdated maybe and, and I, God, I'll just step out my way. And so I begin to choose a lot of times what I want to do instead of what God has called me to do. That's a form of limping between two different opinions. And you know, somebody's got a limp, they got a bad knee, they got a bad ankle, or they may have a bad hip. But something's bad going on in their life, and when we get out of whack, that causes us to limp. Well, a lot of us are out of whack because we're trying to do things on our own, and we know full well what God's called us to do, but yet we don't do it. Another time that, that, that I think we run into a lot of time is people, and I think the people of Israel and Ahab are running into the same thing, but, but is the Bible relevant today? Is Scripture even relevant today? Does, is God relevant today? Does God even work today? And, and we, we battle that a lot of times. We may have a teenager battling something or a family member battle, battling something, and, and you, can't, you don't think anything, and the Bible lines up with it. When the Bible does, I guarantee you it can meet any need that you have in your life. But we begin to say, is it even relevant? Does it even pertain anymore? That Bible was created 2,000 years ago. They don't know what we're going through today. So we, we're not even convinced of the Bible. And we need, to, we need to be convinced of the Bible. I reminded, and I was teaching a Wednesday night class, and we're talking about being servants of God. But Peter, you know, was a fisherman. And we know when Jesus called Peter... 
and, and, and that he put a calling on his life that Peter was out fishing. And Peter was doing his thing. He was one of the best fishermen around. Uh, Peter knew how to fish. And he had fished all night and he had caught nothing. Then the Lord Jesus comes to him and says, hey, Peter, do it again. Cast out over here. Well, I guarantee you, Peter didn't think it was revelant. Peter said the word of Christ, it doesn't pertain. I'm a better fisherman than him. He doesn't know how to fish. He's only a carpenter. And then now he says he's the son of God. He's not relevant. He don't know what he's talking about. Man, I've been fishing all night. I'm the best there is at this. But even if Peter felt that way, he didn't listen to his thoughts. And he did what the Lord told him. And that could be a lesson for us because a lot of times we may not think the word is relevant and it doesn't work today. But maybe like Peter, you ought to just apply it anyway. And you'll find out it is relevant because we see that Peter honored the Lord. He threw out and everybody knows the story. His nets were so full that they broke and he was blessed by God. So when we decide that, hey, the Bible still does work and we step out in our faith and we allowed God to move in our lives, we're going to see that we're blessed. It's a, it's a promise. But you know what blesses me more about that scripture than anything? That it called, it was so powerful to Peter that he dropped it all and went into the ministry. When we give the word a try and follow the word, it's going to move us so much that we're going to make drastic changes in our life. In other words, the blessings are going to be good, but we're going to be like, gosh, God's real. Man, God's powerful. And God's going to change my life. Peter left his nets that day and became a fisher of men and got behind Christ 100%. So as we see these things that, you know, that's how we need to do. But a lot of times we see that, that Ahab was caught up in this, I call it a Jezebel spirit. In this case, it's his wife. And we all know Jezebel. And if you look up what Jezebel means, it means impudent, which means not showing respect for another person. It means shameless. It means morally unrestrained. So we see that, that, that he was dealing with a Jezebel spirit. We see that he was battling somebody that did, didn't believe in any morality of God that was good that was unrestrained, there was a constant badgering to him. That's what he was battling. But guys, that same spirit is in the church today. It's trying to tell us that we don't need to do this. We don't need to do that. We just do what we want to do, do what's good and feels good to us, and we're going to be okay. Well, Jesus warned us of this Jezebel spirit. And if you go over to Revelations chapter 3, and we can pop that scripture on the board here, Jesus warned of this Jezebel spirit to the church of Laodicea. And guys, it's a type of the church today. And, and we can look at all these churches in Revelations and, and glean from them things that Christ is trying to tell us today. But he said to them, I know all you, the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like, like Luke, uh, warm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. But this is what I want us to grab a hold of today because this is the part that's talking about the Jezebel spirit. Jesus goes on to say, you say I am rich. You say I have everything I want. You say I don't need a thing. And that to me is the Jezebel spirit here is it's humanism. It's thinking we don't need God, that the word's not revelant anymore. It's saying all these things that we've already talked about and Christ warns his church to press into him. It says, and you don't even realize that you're wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind and naked. We need to press into him. 
And if we're fighting this Jezebel spirit in our own lives, we need to come between it. And we need to come against it and kick it out. Gary Dumb sent a word out the other day, and, and it was talking about limping between two different opinions. The word was talking about that this world is full of false prophets, false pastors, and false Christians. And guys, it's not just in and around everywhere. It's in Barton County, too. And he was given this word, and Gary believes this came from the Lord. But I'm just going to read it to you today. But he says, my son, my people, today the world is full of false prophets and false prophecies. Even in churches that are called by my name, there are shepherds who are false prophets, espousing, meaning adopting or supporting false prophecies to their sheep. Just as it was in Jeremiah's time of false prophets in Jerusalem and Judea, so it is in America today. False prophets abound, abound with a message that I, did, that I did not say to them, nor called them to speak. False prophecies that are counter to my word that encourages idol worship and rebellion to my word. False prophecies that encourage immoral sexual immorality, allow deceit and dishonesty for personal gain. They place man at the center of the universe, suggest that life should be eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I hear that all the time. I hear that do whatever you want, man. God's with you. Lusting for what others have, rejecting my authority as creator of the universe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as surely as Jerusalem and Judea were attacked and destroyed and sent into exile for their sins or idol worship, so will it be for those false prophets and their false prophecies and those who are deceived by them that they shall, they shall face the ultimate spiritual death for eternity. Judgment will strike any nations who populace is willing, willingly involved in accepting false prophecies. America is no exception. Be forewarned and speak only the truth of my word in everything that you do and every relationship you have. Consequences of sin are not pleasant. We're talking about that, that spirit and how that, that, that pastors are telling people it's all right to live together. It's all right to do this. It's all right to do that. And it's not biblical. And we don't have to be unbiblical today. We can stand on God's word and know it's alive and real and it's going to make things happen. That moves us into thinking the second thing here. The people of Israel were silent. The scripture said in verse 21, the people of God did not answer him a word. There's a drought in the land and the people didn't answer. There was a drought of sin in the land and the people were silent. There's a prophet that spoke the words of the Lord and then, and then the power of God and the people still remained silent. But when it came to Elijah challenging the church, Israel, they said, okay, let's put it to a test. And that was the church. And I think the church does that a little bit today. Instead of just standing behind God, you know, the pastor says this and so-and-so says this. Okay, let's just put it to a test when it's clear in God's word. So when they did speak, they spoke with no power. So they're ineffective. They didn't change lives. We're ineffective and we don't change lives when we keep silent. As I shared the story about Granny, she didn't keep silent. and She helped steer me in a good direction. And many of you in this room today have spoke into me and steered me into a good, in a good direction. Randy Crockett goes to the first service. That guy, I'm surprised he even wants to associate with me today because he got me in the transition. 
And I was cruel and I was mean to Randy. And, and he worked with me every day. And I, was, I did things to him not very nice, but he kept putting into me. And he kept putting into me. And I can say that about mom and dad. They weren't silent. And as a church, we can't be silent with our families. We need to stand up. And we need to stand for the things of God. God detests sin. God hates sin. And it's clear in the Bible. And the reason he hates it, because it hurts us. It destroys us. And, and, and to be honest with you, God doesn't want to be around it. And, and, and he reaffirmed this to me. And you guys are going to love this story. But we moved group sites. And we're at Group West. And the bathroom's the old style that stinks really bad. You guys know what I'm talking about? The one you avoid and everybody goes to the bathroom in the lake. You know, come on, admit it. Uh, you do. No, I'm kidding. You don't. You know, whatever. But, but I decided to go in there one day. And anyway, you guys know my dog, Drake. Karen brought him to the lake. And he, he, everybody knows he follows me everywhere. And, and people would be feeding him and I'd walk away. Drake would leave the food to follow me. He won't leave my side. Well, when I went into the bathroom and sat down and started reading my word, Drake walks in, looks at me, and turns around and walks out. <laughs> the dog would not stay in the bathroom. It stunk. Okay? Okay? No matter how loyal he was, he's been loyal through everything. But he would not stay with me in the stinky bathroom. I couldn't find the scripture, but I know it's out there. That says that our, our sin is a stench to God's nostrils. And I couldn't find it, and I tried to find it. Joel helped me with, is it Psalms chapter 50, I think, kind of talked about that. But God, sin is stinky to God. And, and I, I struggle because I believe God was with me all the time. And, and when I was running from him, he was always quick to be in there. But also believe that, that I pushed him away a lot. And so today we need to realize that, that God wants to help us. And he don't want us to be stuck in that stink because the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, but not only forgive us, but to deliver us from all unrighteousness. That's how much God loves us. But the third thing today is you're not alone. Uh, a lot of people feel like you're alone, and I wallow in this one a lot. Oh, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm all alone, and I want to live for God, you know how we get to whining. But, but guys, we're not alone here. But we even see in the scripture here, Elijah battled with feeling alone. He mentioned in the scripture today, there's all these prophets of Baal, but, but I'm all alone. And I've struggled with that because in, if you read back in the first part of 1 Kings 18.4, Obadiah talks about that he's taken a hundred prophets and put 50 in the cave at a time. And, you know, Elijah may not have known that, but I know for sure in 1 Kings 18, 13, that he told him. Obadiah told Elijah, hey, I've been putting in prophets in the cave of 150 in each cave. And so I know he knew about it. But yet when he gets in front of Israel, he says, I'm all alone. You know, did he mean that day that he was all alone, which may have meant that, but, but he had been told by the prophet that he wasn't alone. And then we see later on in 1 Kings 19, 18, that there was 7,000 prophets of God just like him that never bowed their knee to Baal, that believed just like him, that were in the fight with him. He wasn't alone. 
We're not alone. You're not alone. Every time I marry somebody, I always share this scripture from Matthew 18, 18 through 20. It says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. But I always share at the wedding, and I've got one coming up pretty quick. Landon and China are going to be coming up. China's not here, but you guys were just with her at the little girl thing. And they had a little girl party, and they didn't invite any guys. And anyway, they came back for church. I appreciate you guys doing that. But tell China she's in the doghouse. But no, I'm kidding. Uh, China moved to Rolla, but that's another testimony later. That's good. But anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, I'm going to share probably in their wedding that, that when we tie in, you know, Landon, China, that's two. And then Jesus Christ, that's a, that's a quarter of three. It can't be broken. And God's with them. They're not alone. And I try to remind married couples of that all the time, that you got your wife, your wife, you're not alone. You got your spouse, you're not alone. And then you got Jesus in your heart. Man, that's a powerful thing right there. But I can go a step further is the dedication today. We had all these kids up here that were making a stand that they're going to raise those kids in the things of God. And then we had husband and wife, but then you as a church stood up and said, you're not alone. So we got 400 and some people behind these three people. That's a powerful thing. We're not alone. Why do we whine around all the time that we're alone and we can't make it? Why do we give in to that spirit and wham, 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 wham? I'm talking to myself here. But I want to tell you a story. There was a girl named Alex that, that she is uh, over in Monte. Go ahead and put that slide up so I can say the, the city right. Montenegro. And that borders Albania. Well, everybody knows I just got back from the mission trip in Albania two weeks ago. But I was at annual conference, and Andrew Moyer walked up to me. He's a pastor of a church in, in Joplin. And he said, I've got a gal that's in my congregation that, that feels all alone in Montenegro, isn't that close to Albania. And man, he's really upset. He's scared, and he's, he's, he's just really wanting to talk to me. And I said, yeah. And he goes, do you got any contacts over there? Do you got any people you can talk to over there? I go, whoa, 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 slow down. What's going on? And he said, man, I got this kid, Alex. She's over there on a mission trip with another church. She was helping a lady outside of Montenegro clean her gutters out. She fell off the ladder and broke her back. And she's in the hospital. She has no family. She has no friends. They've not given her any pain meds. She has not gotten any back braces. In dire straits, no mom, no dad. The team went on without her. And she's left all alone. And she texts her pastor at conference where I was at. And he comes to me. And he's texting her back. And keep in mind, they're seven hours ahead of us. So they've already had church today. And anyway, but she makes a comment in there. I can feel Jesus more than I ever have. But she goes, I am in so much pain. She goes, they moved me around and my back is hurting. And, and, and they did something. But anyway, I can go on and on about the drama of it all. It was drama. So I called uh, Beta. Elvis called Ada and Altine, and we're going back and forth, texting and, and communicating. And I'm doing this through conference here in, in, the, in the USA, talking to people in Albania. And finally, Altine calls me, and we're FaceTiming or whatever it is that we do, Messenger, or whatever. And, and he's asking all these questions. He goes, Kent, I just hate to cross the border. 
And, and he goes, it's, it's six hours away, but I go, well, our team don't if you don't feel comfortable doing it. God will figure something out. And we talked a little bit more, and then about an hour later, Alda texted me. And they connected with this guy here, which is uh, Cicena or whatever you say his name there. He lives in Montenegro, okay? They knew him from pastor meetings. They knew him quite well and just connected where he was from. They called the guy up. He goes into the hospital and ministers to this girl. You're not alone. The text that, that, that he sent me, and she starts texting her boss back, and her boss back, her uh, preacher back. And, and anyway, the text that they text me, this is what sis, you know, this guy here said on the right. By the way, if any of you can tell me what that scripture is, I'll buy you a Coke. And anyway, above his head there. But he says, let us pray for her quick recovery and healing. Pray that she finds favor with the hospital staff, good doctors, and she can connect with the local believers as well. Pray that she finds faith to glorify even in these moments. And the reason that moved me so much is because she, the girls immediately texting us back pretty much right after this. And, and, and guess what? They're giving her pain meds now. Guess what? They're cleaning her up now. Guess what? All these things that were coming against her have made a complete turnaround. And, and I don't want to say this because I don't know, but, but it's a Muslim country and she was Christian. Think about that. And I'm sure a little bit of that was going on, but a believer of God went in with his church and stood behind her, that guy there that I don't know from Adam, to let her know that she's not alone. We need to give God glory for that. Give the Lord glory for that. God is so in love with us. And guys, you haven't heard the end of it yet. He texts me back. And I'm Facebook friends with this guy now and didn't know him from Adam. And we're talking back and forth. And he's asking and making sure I know what's going on with this girl. He's still seeing her and doesn't have any reason to. It's not going to grow his church. It's not going to benefit him a bit. But it's going to benefit the kingdom of God. And that's why he does it. And anyway, he, uh, he said that she's up walking around. And she texted her pastor. and He told me she walked around the block. That's a miracle. God's moving. And so when she felt all alone that she didn't have anybody, God was with her the whole time, and then he put his people around to minister to his needs. Guys, we're not alone. Don't give in to that spirit. Another family that we got to call on Monday, and, and, and anyway, there's a family that was in Carthage outside the Dollar Tree, and one of our new families that got saved and baptized last week, uh, uh, Christy and J.D., saw them, and got to talking to him, but they had a relative that hung himself in Mount in Monette, and he killed himself. And then they took the body to Cassville. This family draws up from uh, um, uh, or, uh, Texas by Browning's, Texas. Finds out talking to Giselle, they live within twenty miles of where Giselle grew up. The world is small. You're not alone. And Giselle ministered to her the other night, but but on Monday, not then yet. And they didn't have money for the funeral. They didn't have money for anything. They're living in their cars, sleeping in their cars, going through it. Fear, anxiety, you name it. We began to work with them this week. I think they went to church at Carthage on Wednesday night to Jim's Bible study. And then on Thursday night, they went to our church. Olga led two of the women to the Lord on Thursday night. 
Uh, got to pray with the other ones myself Thursday night. Uh, they're in church today as far as I know right now. They've been to both services, the Spanish service, English service. But God has moved in their life. They've got the money together. They paid for the funeral. And then when I was sitting with them Thursday night and just saying, how's things going? They, they said, man, it's going great, but, but we're just some other things. And, and they wouldn't ever ask. And whenever Christy and J.D. asked them to come live with them, would you guys uh, ask people you don't know to come live at your house? And Kathy and, or, or Christy and J.D. didn't have the room in their house, but they said we'd set a tent upside, outside. You could sleep in the tent, use our facilities. And their words were to them, I really don't know you. <laughs> and so these were good people. And they're not wanting to use people. But as I was talking to him, and man, God's blessed you. You're not alone. You're on your feet. What, what else do you need? And she said, well, I need to get back home. And I go, how much is that going to cost you? And, and she showed me her gas receipts coming up. So I told him, Oakton will pay for your gas receipts, and then we'll give you enough money for food and groceries to get back home, which we gave him $300. The girl just broke down and began to weep. You guys gave her the, the money that you put in tithe. is going to help her get back home. And I said, man, what's wrong? And she goes, oh, I just can't believe this. But then she showed me pictures. Her flat house is getting flooded out in Texas that we don't even know about. The storms that are going through Texas, Giselle was sitting there at this point, knew about it because it's next to her family. And they don't have a home to go into. And that's why I couldn't figure out, why weren't you going home Thursday? And they're going to go home today or tomorrow when the floods go away. But I've seen God minister in their lives. And they'll even say their own words were, when we thought we were alone, we weren't alone. You're not alone. If you're a believer in here today and you love the Lord and are serving him, you're not alone. If you're an unbeliever here today and and you're not serving the Lord, you're not alone. Because these people weren't believers before and now two of them are. But they've seen such a move of God in their life and a, a, how real and active God was that it changed their life. But as a body here today, if you think that, that you're alone in this world and can't raise your family or you can't do this, or you can't do that, that's a lie from the hell. We're not alone. It's time to speak up about the kingdom of God. And to close out today, the joy of the Lord. Man, if you want the joy of the Lord, then let him loosen your life. Because anytime you let God loose in your life, he's going to bless you. We heard these extremes and these stories here today on how people thought that their world was coming to an end. But when they turned to the Lord, it was one of the most blessed times of their life. One of the most joyful times of their life. But I want to share with you the scripture on how this all turned out with those back in the day. When we started out was, we're bouncing back and forth. Guys, we can't be bouncing back and forth. We can't be quiet. We've got to stand up for the things of God. But when the, when the gods were put to a test, back in the scripture here, we see in, in 1 uh, uh, Kings 18, 26, that those that were following Baal or Satan called, on the, uh, called from morning till noon, and no voice, no answer from their God. They limped around the altar. Again, that limping, no power, no authority. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, either he is mussing. Mussing means reflecting or thinking, well, should I help him or not? So Elijah begins to taunt them. Then he goes on to say, is he relieving himself? Or is he on a journey? Or perhaps is he asleep? Verse 29. 
They cried aloud and cut themselves until the blood gushed. All day they did this. And no voice, no answer, no one paid attention. Guys, the reason being is Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when he's got you destroyed or on the killed side, he leaves you hanging. He may lure you in with money. He may lure you in with a man or woman. He may lure you in with all these wonderful things. But when he's got you, he's gone. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so we see the power of God, Elijah. We see that Elijah repaired the altar in verse 30. But notice the altar was built from 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, which I thought was neat is God's with us. Well, God used the the symbol also of the 12 tribes of Israel, meaning the people of God are with us. And they turned and they, uh, um, they then built a trench around the altar and they poured water on it once, poured water on it twice, poured water on it three times. Now, I shared a little bit of this at the lake the other day. And, and anyway, me and Jonathan made up this great big bomb. That we, I was just going to walk by and throw it on the fire. And it was all this powder. And get, we took gun shells and we took all the powders out. I left a couple of pellets in there just to, so you make it exciting, you know. No, I didn't. But we took all the powder out. And, man, we tested this. And we thought it was going to be a boom, you know. And so I walked by the fire. And the power of God! It goes, this is the biggest letdown of my life. <laughs> That'd preach too, but it'd be another day. But in this case, the power of God consumed the offering, and it consumed all the water, consumed everything, and it lit itself, and, and it and it just exploded. And the people got so fired up for God because they saw a miracle that they went out and slaughtered 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 all the bells. They got all the sin out of their life. And Landon preached last week, I think, on what happened after that. But, but if he didn't, Elijah ran before King Ahab, or Ahaz, whatever his name was now. For 40 miles, he ran ahead of him. Kept ahead of the horses for 40 miles. Talk about an anointing and a power. But then he gets back into what was me again, but well, that's another day. But we see the power of God demonstrated when we call upon him. And that's what I want to make a note of today, that God backs up his word, whether it's Elijah or you or me or whoever. We see in the scripture today that, that Elijah said, answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you are God, our Lord, our God, and that you have turned their hearts back. And what I was trying to say there is that when we stand on the word, we can take it to the bank. We can know that God is going to respond. We can know that he's going to back his word up. And, and that's kind of what Elijah was saying here. He's saying, hey, God, you know, you said if I do this, you'll do this. And that's, he, was, he was calling on the Lord to do this. The Bible says we can be healed. We'll call on the Lord to be healed. The Bible says you can be delivered. You don't have to put up with sin in your life. We'll call on the Lord to be delivered. Man, my marriage is a wreck. Well, call on the Lord. Because he wants to make your marriage the best ever. Oh, my husband doesn't measure up. Well, call on upon the Lord because God's got a plan for his life and it's great. You see where I'm heading here? Call on the Lord and expect things to happen. Even the disciples themselves, when they called upon the Lord and, and Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's our mission statement at Oakton. Go save disciples' sin. But he said, go into the world and preach the gospel. 
And he said, you're going to do these things. You're going to cast out demons, speak in new tongues. You're going to pick up serpents with, with your hands and you're going to drink deadly poison and not be hurt. You're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to be healed. Do you guys realize, and I preached on that a few weeks ago, every one of them happened. God did it and he's still doing it today. We saw God move on a girl's life in, in, in Monterey and we've seen God move on this other family's life just this week. Guys, do you realize last Sunday, we, Oakland, Carthage, all of us went to Lake, the English church, in the, in the Spanish church, we baptized 13 people last week. Yeah, give the Lord praise. <laughs> Only one of them was in Renew, meaning that they had wandered from God. The rest of them were brand new salvations. And every one of them wanted to join Oakland Carthage that day. And I've never gotten that when somebody's gotten saved, I want to join your church. They were, they were persistent about that. I was trying to remember, it was about half Spanish and half English. By the way, we got a pool party this week, and come on out. I'm going to dive off the high dive for you guys. So if you want to see me dive off the high dive, uh, that'll be a good sight for you. If not, come for that reason, but bring a friend. Lamar pool's closed. We got the pool down there. We'll go out and enjoy each other, enjoy each other's company, invite somebody out. But, but people want to hear the Word of God. They want to see. Do you guys realize also last Sunday that really there was 34 people baptized that, that you guys had an effect on every one of them. I want you to pull up that next slide there. Of, uh, this here, the 16 people, that's in uh, uh, Duras, Albania. And Altine, that's the church of Toronto. And, and, and I didn't lead all of them to Christ. I only, maybe one of them that I led to Christ. But, but people, you've prayed for them. You give money to them so that Altine can minister to them. On Monday, I, I sent $350 over because he's taken some of these to a training school and, and some of them didn't have the money. So uh, for $35, they could have three meals and share a motel room. And so 10 of them are going to get extended training. And I didn't ask permission from our missions team. I just did it. But 350 we transferred over there just Monday. And, but you guys had an effect on our lives. We know that Altine may have led them to Christ or one of you may have led them to Christ. But it takes the church. So what we sang about to begin with today, it takes the church to accomplish this. Next slide. That very same day, again, there's seven hours ahead of us, these kids here were baptized in the mountains. And, and our team did have an effect on them. Uh, we just didn't get it in the back. I don't know if you knew that, Debbie, but that, that's there. There you go. But the ones in the blue shirts that day were baptized. Joel went over in January with Carson. And I can't believe how it set the stage for us in April. Can't believe it. It, it, it. God is doing a work through everybody. And it's, I'm not taking credit for Oakton. Oakton didn't do it. God did it. But he used Oakton. He used Altine. He used the Toronto Church, ICF. But same way with the girl over in Monterey. You know, they did most of the work there. You see what I'm getting at? It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. I had on my paper, I could go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and tell you guys a miracle that's happened every day. Just like what I've shared with you today. The reason I don't share a lot of them because they affect people in this church. Oakton Central is doing just the same things. But I don't want to share stories that people know each other and it may embarrass them or it may not be the time or whatever. But things are happening everywhere. God is moving everywhere. 
But where are we at in this picture? So, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I ask that you minister to our hearts. Lord, I ask that you show us where we're at. Lord, I've already repented, Lord, of I'm all alone. Whoa, whoa, is me. Father, I've already repented of limping between two gods. Lord, I'm there at times. But, Father, I ask that you minister to this body. And, Father, that, that you reveal to us what keeps us from being what you want us to be. Father, I ask that people wouldn't forget your love today, that that's all it's about, is you're wanting to know us more. 